The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation He provides for all who submit to Him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. What's up, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in on The Way BK podcast. Um, Kale and I are sitting here, and we're moving on from the book of Luke and thinking about the book of Acts. Uh, so, Caleb, why, why are we doing Acts yet? We jumped over John. We could talk about anything. Why would we talk about Acts today? Well, Acts is a uh, continuation of the book of Luke. This is uh, a sequel, and uh, normally it's when you're reading or watching um, a, a sequel... It's good to start with part one and then continue on to part two. So sure. uh, yeah, that's important for us to understand. Acts is not really it's not a standalone work. This is the this is the sequel, a continuation of the book of Luke, and it's meant to be read that way. Um, in fact, the book begins by um, by Luke saying that in his first book he has spoken about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after which he gave commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he'd chosen. So um, even in the intro, you get the impression that Luke is about what Jesus began to do and teach. Acts is about what Jesus is continuing to do and teach through the Holy Spirit and through the apostles. Um, so as we look at this book, we are thinking about uh, Acts in light of what we've learned from Luke, in the same way that you would um, you would watch uh the Star Wars movies in order. We just finished watching through the Star Wars movie and uh, the Return of the Jedi is not easy to understand unless you have first watched uh, the movies that come before it. It makes a good bit more more sense. That's true with uh, with any any group of movies or um, any any trilogy, you know. Sure. Um, so same thing here with Luke and Axe. Cool. So I mean what do you see as some of the Obviously, you're on the pod. And by the way, if you're just tuning in for the first time today, you can still get something from Acts by itself. But like you're saying, there's going to be some pieces that might be a little missing or a little confusing if you don't understand the background from Luke, which is what your point is. So what are some of the things you see or some of the connection points between Luke and Acts as far as like how does Luke, reading Luke help us understand the book of Acts better than we would otherwise? Well, yeah, that. so one of the things that uh, should pop out to us as we start to read in the book of Acts is that the things we saw Jesus begin to do and teach in the Gospel of Luke, now the apostles and the disciples are doing um, and teaching in the book of Acts. So that's um, why Luke words it in the first verse, hey, the last one I wrote was all of Jesus he didn't say all that Jesus did and taught. He said all that Jesus began to do and teach. And the idea is like now the followers of Jesus are keeping that work going. Yes, the the followers are becoming like their teacher, as Jesus said in uh, in Luke chapter six, that a disciple, when he's fully trained, will become like their teacher. And so that's what we're going to see in the book of Acts. Um, you remember in the Gospel of Luke, there was a huge emphasis from the beginning to the end on Jesus uh, praying. We see him praying at his baptism when he chooses the twelve. Uh, when he begins to asking his disciples um, who he is and revealing himself to them, um, when he's transfigured, uh, all the way to when he's in the garden and on the cross, he's praying. Um, we're going to see in the book of Acts 
the disciples are always praying. Um, right here at the beginning in chapter 1, there's an emphasis on uh, the disciples being in prayer. Because that's like the first thing they're doing. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's how the book begins. Right. And you're going to see that all throughout the book, an emphasis on, uh, on prayer. The disciples are always continuing to pray. Um, another example of this is, uh, you remember that Jesus' ministry begins with uh, his anointing. Of the uh, when he's anointed with the Holy Spirit as baptism, and from that moment on, Jesus is full of the Spirit. He goes out and he begins doing the work of uh, of sharing the gospel and and in the power of the Spirit, mm-hmm. as as Luke tells us, rejoicing in the Spirit. In Acts, we're going to see the disciples following in the same footsteps. They're waiting in Jerusalem when the story begins. They're waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and it's not until the Holy Spirit comes that then they have their anointing, they're sent out, and they begin to do their ministry. They receive the power uh, that they use to begin their ministry. So in all of this book, what we're going to see over and over and over and over again is basically Jesus, Jesus alive in his disciples. It's no longer the disciples who live, but Christ who lives in them. And we're going to see them looking more and more like him as the book goes on. Yeah, that's cool. Which seems to be a carryover. Uh, one of one of I would say the big themes in Luke is kind of the theme of the book of Acts. At least it appears to be, um, which you see in chapter one and verse three, and again at the very very end in chapter twenty-eight in verses thirty and thirty-one, where in chapter one and verse three it says that Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And there's various points throughout the book of Acts where that comes up. In uh, chapter 8 and verse 12, you know, Philip goes to Samaria preaching of Jesus and the kingdom. In chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas say it's through many trials that we must enter the kingdom. Where Paul, I mean, everywhere they go, they're preaching about the kingdom. And then actually the book ends with that emphasis also in chapter 28 in verse 30 where Paul is in prison in Rome house arrest basically he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and Mm -hmm. without hindrance so I think a lot of things you're pointing out are kind of showing okay Jesus established the kingdom through his death and resurrection and even the deeds that he did on earth uh, according to what he said right whenever he was casting out demons he said hey that means the kingdom of God has come upon you Um, and this is the I don't know how to say it the real life application of the kingdom or the kingdom on the ground or whatever it is all the things you're talking about that shows connectivity between Jesus and disciples shows his it's all about his kingdom rule being spread throughout all the earth Right, this is the beginning of the restoration of that kingdom coming back where God is, is establishing. And again, that's also, that's Jesus' message in Luke, right? I right. mean, in Luke 4, when he comes, he says, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Um, and he goes through cities and villages preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So really, Luke's emphasis throughout is that God's kingdom is here. I guess maybe though, for a long time though, um, when I, I you know, I kind of recognize that that's a big deal, but still it's kind of an abstract idea. So like how would you, how would you define or describe what is the kingdom of God? If this book is about the kingdom of God, like how would you try to explain that to someone? Somebody asks you, what's the kingdom of God? How, yeah. What are you going to tell them? Well, I've been thinking about that some, I don't, on a fundamental level, any kingdom means there's somebody who's ruling over 
something that people can choose to be a part of or opposed to. Like that's what a kingdom is. So I think that's why the opening scene in the book of Acts, kind of the prologue almost to the book, is Jesus ascending to the Father, which is kind of, uh, at first glance, it's like, well, that's kind of a weird, like, it's just kind of a weird event, you know? It is. Um, and even the way he describes it is a little bit strange. And yet it's one they keep coming back to. And when you read through the epistles over and over and over again, the the writers of the scriptures keep coming Coming back to the idea of, hey, Jesus at the right hand of the Father. He reigns from heaven. We're in heavenly places with him, blah, blah, blah. So the notion of Jesus ascended is huge because it brings out, okay, like where the kingdom starts is with the king. Yeah. And that goes back to, that's why we need to understand who the king is and what he's about and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I think, what we, what, and I mean, you can add to this list, but in my mind, in the book of Acts, you see kind of the... Uh, the nature of Jesus's rule in individual people's lives. It's not something that he's building that one day we're going to go to, but it's actually the rule that he has on earth, even as in heaven, as he taught his disciples to pray in the lives of his disciples and how that was meant to impact the world and draw people out of the world and into a relationship with God through their submission to Jesus, the King. I feel like I'm still saying abstract stuff. Maybe that's because I don't understand it well enough, or maybe because it's too rich of a thing. I don't really know, honestly, uh, why. You know, I don't think there's a pinpoint here is with the King of God. But I do, th- I do think it all centers around the rule of Jesus as King from heaven, and the submission or the opposition. Because Acts shows both. Acts shows right. people who are like, I'm all in for Jesus, the King. Let me follow Him. Let me obey Him. I want Him to change my life. I want His Spirit to fill me and transform me. And there's people who say, no, we killed him for a good reason. We don't want that guy as our king, and we're still opposed to him. And so I think that's those are some of the elements of kingdom. But Yeah, it's interesting to me that uh, right at the beginning in the book, um, after Jesus is speaking to them about the kingdom of God, the disciples ask this interesting question. Um, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, and that's kind of an interesting uh, question, that, that they asked there um, that I've been thinking about a good bit. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, when I, when I just read Acts, and I hadn't really read carefully the Gospel of Luke, uh, for whatever reason growing up, I, I feel like I read Acts a lot more carefully than I read Luke. Um, it, I, I thought maybe, you know, maybe that's just the wrong question entirely. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe they just totally misunderstand the kingdom They're of God. They're still idiots. Um, but when I was reading Luke this this year more carefully, it became readily apparent to me just how much um, all the disciples were waiting for the kingdom to be restored to Israel. Um, and and, it, and and as I'm reading Acts now, it's becoming more readily apparent to me that the kingdom of God is the restoration of the promises of God being fulfilled to restore this kingdom to Israel. And uh, to your point, I mean, how does he begin? Uh, how does Peter begin? What's the first sermon about? It's about Jesus is the king. He's the Lord you need to call on. He's the king who's established his kingdom. And then they get to the end of the sermon. And you remember when Jesus came, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You get to the end of the sermon right after, right after he says Jesus is this king, you know, this Jesus whom you crucified is king. Um, in Acts 2.37, they say, what do we do? And he says, repent. Um, you need to repent. So, so yeah, I mean, I think you're right. The kingdom of God is God fulfilling all of his promises uh, to Israel. 
and renewing and restoring that kingdom to Israel. And I don't think the disciples fully grasp that because we're going to see later on. I mean, a big theme in the book of Acts is um, that the kingdom is spreading to places that I think most of the apostles were not expecting it, at least in their own mind, we're not ready for it to spread to, you know. Uh, that, At least that, in an equal or equivalent way. Right. Like that's right, one thing in Acts. Right. You see like, oh, okay, Jerusalem is where the king is cool. Right. Well, then you roll on to like Acts 11, and it actually kind of sounds like Antioch, which is a pretty, I mean, it's literally named after a pagan king. It's yeah. a pagan place, and it's pagan history. It's not Jewish at all, not quote-unquote Israelite, as maybe some would have conceived it to be. Now that kind of feels like home base for the kingdom. And when you yeah. read, that's what's, that's where everything's going out of. That's where all the important stuff's at. Only later on, Ephesus is going to be talked about in kind of the same way that Antioch and Jerusalem are talked about, yeah. which kind of shows the kingdom of God is without space. And I think that's where Acts is sort of the extension or the the full bloom of the seeds that were planted going all the way back to Abraham right. and Moses and David and the prophets and John the Baptist and Jesus. So Jesus says, repent now that Jesus is king, it's repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, right. the king. Like, now he's the king. Now you need to be baptized in him, you know. Or Israel is going to get a redefinition. Like, what is the word Israel? It is the king. I mean, the book of Acts in some ways is about the kingdom being restored to Israel. Mm. But Israel is being redefined. It's not an ethnic group. It's not even a... It's not about people who take up circumcision. Yeah. It's about who are the people of God. And the people of God are the people who bow their knee before Jesus the king. And that's the true Israel, as Paul would say in his letters. Right. Which is, again, right here at the beginning, they ask that question, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Then at the end of the book, uh, right when he's talking about the kingdom of God, you also have Paul say, yeah. make that same statement to them, that he's, uh, he, he, since it's because of the hope of Israel, Acts 28 and verse 20, that I'm wearing this chain. So, I mean, it seems he like... He was fighting for the hope of Israel. That's right. Which he saw as Jesus' rule as king that's and right. the kingdom of God. That's the hope that we've all been looking for. That's exactly right. And I think like that, the, the thing I think, too, is you see the sum in Acts. Actually, you see it in narrative form in Acts, and you see it in sort of uh, discourse form in the letters. The kingdom of God is, maybe sounds overly religious, and if you're listening to this and you're maybe only moderately believing in Jesus or you're not believing at all, maybe somebody sent this to you or whatever... The kingdom of God is the Bible way of talking about what every human being wants. I mean, it's real human flourishing. It's where whenever you're in trouble, you got family. They may not be your blood family, quote unquote, but they're your family and they're going to sell their possessions and welcome you in their home mm-hmm. or do whatever you need. Mm-hmm. It's people who are living in harmony. It's people who have a real purpose and mission in their life. It's people who are courageous in the face of opposition. It's people who are kind and loving even to those who are opposed to them. It's people, you know. It's it's the kingdom, the portrait of the kingdom of God, and the 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 citizens of the kingdom of God that we read about in the Book of Acts. Whether you agree with the ideology or not, at least you admire the kind of character that these people have and the kind of life that they live. You say, "Man, like I would love to be joyful and peaceful." Mm-hmm. I may think they're really naive and silly to believe that a guy was risen from the dead, but I at least admire the life they have, and that would be kind of cool to live that way. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it's not just the hope of. Israel, it is the hope that was given to Israel through the prophets and Abraham and all that stuff. But it's really the hope of humanity because the idea of having kingdom restored goes all the way back to Genesis 1 where humanity was told, here's the world, have dominion. And honestly, the things that frustrate us to this day is we don't have dominion. Mm -hmm. The weather has power over us. 
you know, circumstance. There's so many things that rule over us. But what Jesus is trying to do is restore us all back to his image and bring us back to what we were made for at the beginning and what we all want down in our hearts. Yeah, that's good. So so as we're kind of embarking on a study of this book, what are what are some of the maybe key things to look for or themes that you think will uh, we should be paying close attention to? What are some of the things that, uh, that Luke is really going to stress in this book that we should... Uh, be prepared for, be on the lookout for as we as we start reading. I'm thinking about at least three things, and you probably have something to add to. Uh, but one would be, I don't really know, uh, spiritual disciplines or religious devotion or uh, disciplines of discipleship. You know, one thing that you see in the Book of Acts is the people who are devoted to Jesus as the King. They were, as you pointed out, spending time in prayer. I mean, almost for the first 13 chapters, nearly every single, I think there's maybe one exception to this, but every chapter is a reference to somebody praying. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's by accident. I think he's trying to let us know prayer was really important. Before people were saved, they were praying. Mm -hmm. When people were saved, they were praying. You know, when people were in trouble, they were praying. They were always praying. Um, But besides that, there's also a a great attention to Scripture. Mm -hmm. I mean, they spoke about Scripture. It was just, it wasn't even like they were like, now let me turn to it was just a part of their, their language. It just came out where they're not even quoting sometimes. They're just talking, and we can see, oh, that's a scripture from the Psalms or from the prophets or from Genesis or whatever. So, um, and besides that, there's time where they're spending in worship and with each other even day by day, Acts 2 says. So I think that's one big one that we learn about is, in other words, how do I grow up to actually be a disciple? A lot of the book of Luke is the appeal of, here's the teacher, here's the one you're supposed to emulate, here's who you're supposed to follow. But then we're kind of left with, how do I develop that? Because I can't literally walk Jesus' footsteps in the sand. So how do I walk it? If he's in heaven and I'm on earth, how do I follow him? I think we learn a lot about that in this book. Um, So there's a lot of theme about discipleship as a kingdom citizen. Um, Another one I think is um, love, which the word love is never mentioned in the book of Acts, not a single time. And yet, it's a great example that love is not really something you say, it's something you do. Mm-hmm. You see people who treat each other like family. You see people who are supporting each other and helping each other, calling each other out whenever they do wrong, mm-hmm. um, making sacrifices for each other. Just a really amazing um, model of what Jesus said his disciples were supposed to do in John 13 and 34 and 35, where he said, this is how people are going to know you're my disciples, if you love one another. And I think we learn a lot about family love in the kingdom of God in Acts. Uh, and the third thing that I think is pretty important is the, um, maybe what to say, the, the gospel was at the center of everything. Whenever they spoke, their ideology was not, well, we're good people, or, you know, it's really important that we start this movement that will help the world. Their ideology was, Jesus is the king. That's good. He can save us from our sins. He's going to change the world. Mm-hmm. Let's follow him. You know, every time they preached, it always would come back to the resur- the death and resurrection of Jesus, especially the resurrection. I mean, every single time, it's resurrection, da da da. So, um, at the center of their ideology, and therefore the thing that drove their family love, and it defined all those spiritual disciplines and the their discipleship. It was rooted in the gospel that Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and now he reigns in heaven as the King of God's kingdom. And that was just the thing that motivated them. And it made them go out and tell other people about it. It wasn't right. just like, let's keep it to ourselves. So much of Acts is about them going and preaching to people. But all that grows out of the gospel being at the very center of their life. 
which is why you see like from the beginning of the book you know you got all these disciples just a handful of them 120 um meeting in jerusalem but one of the things that jesus said to the uh to the apostles was when you'll receive the power of the holy spirit when the power of you'll receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you this is chapter 1 and verse 8 and you'll be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and even to the ends of the earth and that's basically kind of in some ways it's kind of like a map of the book sure. right you're going to start they're going to start by uh witnessing um and and demonstrating jesus power in jerusalem and then eventually as the um the same thing that happened to jesus this persecution and opposition and suffering begins then that's going to spark uh, a spread, a, a spirit-inspired, an inspired spread mm-hmm. of the gospel, where the gospel begins to go out from Jerusalem across Judea and Samaria, and then even to the ends of the earth. And I think one, you know, one of the things I'll just add on to what you're saying there that impresses me in this book is, um, and it's related to the love. But what's what's remarkable is that these are people that, by any other like any other Circumstances you would not expect to find loving one another. Mm-hmm. Like what? What's amazing to me in the gospel in the book of Acts is that you start to see people who wouldn't even go into another person's house, um, and yet now they become close friends and they become part of the same family. And there's this unity with there's this unity in diversity mm-hmm. um, that happens. And even even on Pentecost, right? I mean, you've got these Jews from all the nations who come together. They don't even speak the same languages, right. and yet they're living in harmony. And when problems come up, you know, uh, and and certain people are being neglected, uh, the other side goes to an extreme to make sure that they are felt like they're loved and they're welcomed and they're not. And you know, in a in a world full of division, um, where everybody's fighting and everybody's you know picking their tribes and picking their groups. Um, one of the just remarkable and, and I think inspiring parts of the book of Acts is just to see how the power of the Spirit leads people who are otherwise, man, separate and divided to come together and be one. And actually God embraces that and, and welcomes that and approves of that. Um, he doesn't make desires that. Yeah. He doesn't make yeah. uh, he didn't make everybody become Jewish in order to uh, be part of this renewed Israel, this mm-hmm. kingdom of God. No, you can you can be uh, a Gentile, and as long as you'll give up the corruption and the sin in your culture and, and choose to, to make Jesus king of your life, right. you can live f- from any place and be a part of this great family of God. Um, yeah, I think that's exactly right. And that goes back to, I mean, this central theme of kingdom. Like, these people had a redefined concept of who they were. Right. They didn't consider themselves Judeans or Arabians or wherever they were from. They considered themselves to be followers of the king, citizens of the kingdom. And I mean, like you point out, that's racial, that was religious, that was economic, yep. that was, uh, you know, men and women working side by side. You know, all the things that we see, and frankly, everybody throughout all of human history has seen at odds with each other. There's this place where everybody's coming together because they're all devoted to the king. Yep. And they're all, they all see themselves as members of his kingdom not members of their disparate warring factions in the world, which yeah. is really powerful. And uh, and what's sad is so many people in the world, this is such a huge, you pointed out, everybody wants this kind of harmony. Everybody wants this kind of character, either individually or socially. Right. 
But the problem is, if you don't have a foundation to actually build on, you can't really have unity. I mean, we say that over and over again. You can't really have transformed character if you don't have an ideological basis that allows for that. That's right. And the book of Acts shows here is the ideological basis that really saves your soul from eternal condemnation. It'll change you to be a better person in the here and now, and it'll allow you to have an integrated life with other people in a meaningful and rich and joyful kind of way. Yeah. The other thing I'll just share that really is powerful to me, I've been thinking about a lot in the book of Acts, is that you see a lot of like heavy opposition to this kingdom. Like Satan is attacking the kingdom of God, and he's attacking it from the inside out. He's attacking it from the outside in. Mm-hmm. There's so much Political opposition. forces. Right. There's so much opposition to it, and yet the kingdom of God and the disciples who are part of this kingdom remain peaceful. Mm-hmm. Nonviolent, and the kingdom continues to rapidly spread. Yeah, um, and it's just a t- it's a testimony to the fact. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I was talking to a friend um, from the Middle East and was just asking about you know why 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 uh, this person felt like there's so much violence and there's so much and and they talked about uh, the kingdoms, the political powers are just mm-hmm. you know it's not the people but the but the kingdoms who get power just. Are all fighting. And one of the things that's so so ironic, so shocking to me as I read the the book of Acts is um, that this kingdom is spreading rapidly, but not with the sword. Yeah. Um, it's spreading rapidly with people who are just. It's spreading rapidly with the weapon of love. Yeah. Uh, people are being conquered by the love of Christ, and um, and the love of Christ is bringing these strangers and foreigners and and aliens all together. And and they're able to they're able to overcome this opposition and be one in spite of all the attacks against them. So. Yeah, it's cool. It's fun. And by the way, if you're listening, you either haven't read the Book of Acts in a while, or maybe you never have. This is just, frankly, I don't know about your experience. I would say a lot of times people know kind of few stories in Acts, but a lot of times they don't really know the book very yeah. much. And and you miss out on a lot. There's a lot of really good stuff here and really helpful stuff. So hope this will um, be something that we as we embark on uh, over the coming weeks talking about what this book means and what it teaches us. It'll help us all to understand Jesus better and understand how to follow him better and understand how to live in the world in a way that would please him and honor him. Amen. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We'll check you next time here on the Way BK Podcast. Um, Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or things that uh, we can help you with, especially if you're in Brooklyn. We'd love to connect with you personally. We have all kinds of Bible studies, individual. We meet with people individually. We do group, group Bible studies. All that's free of charge. We're just here to help. And, um, and if you want to just find other online resources, you can go to thewaybk.com or our Facebook or YouTube channels, um, The Way BK, and uh, see what we can do to help you from there. Thanks for listening. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.